The way that I'm going to gain trust with you is if you tell me something really hard hitting. If you don't, then either you think I'm God and then I'll think you're stupid or you're withholding from me. So until you really open up and hit me really hard in the gut, once you do that, I'll be like, okay, now I trust these guys. A unicorn in business is a privately owned startup company valued at over $1 billion. We're Ben and Joel. We believe every human deserves access to a world-class education. And our tech startup, Vigo, is trying to make that a reality. Now, we're not from Silicon Valley. In fact, we're from the opposite side of the world, Australia. We have a billion dollar vision and we need to launch into the US in 12 months. In many ways, the odds are stacked against our startup, but we've just been given a miracle. The number one business coach in the world, Matt Mashari, has just agreed to coach us for one year. Matt's not your usual coach and we're not your usual founders. This is the story of that year, raw and unfiltered. Episode two, coaching with Matt Mashari, getting ripped apart and rebuilt. And a warning that this episode contains some pretty heavy conversation about mental health and suicide. Chapter one, why get a coach? This episode is about vulnerability and facing my own problems for the first time I have in my life. It's about building strong relationships with people and it's about trusting almost strangers and my best friend more than I thought possible. This week, we're going to show you what it's actually like to be coached by Matt Mashari. Whenever someone asks us for advice about, oh, I want to, I want to start a startup, the number one thing that Joel and I will say every single time is that you need to go out and find an amazing co-founder. It's the single best thing that you can do to increase the likelihood of success for your business. And the benefit of having a co-founder is that when you're low, there's a good chance that they're high and they can bring you up to that level. And when you're high, they're low, you can bring them up to that level. And adding a coach to the relationship to the co-founding team, that is a whole nother thing. That is like having that additional co-founder and probably even, even a little bit better in a lot of ways because you can basically always trust a coach to be at the top of the roller coaster. The sessions definitely are an emotional roller coaster. It's a lot of work. You go in maybe with a rough idea about where you think it's going to go. And then often Matt just takes it to a completely different direction. It's kind of like a mental deep tissue massage in that whether you bring it to the surface or not, Matt finds the pain point and he goes straight towards that pain and he starts to work that through. And by the end, it's awesome. I've known Joel for eight years and I have never seen Joel cry, not in any circumstance. And we've been across the globe multiple times and we've done everything. Matt was the first person to make Joel cry. And I think Joel's cried like two or three times since in coaching sessions. I definitely didn't expect coaching sessions with Matt to be emotional. The difference with Matt is that he doesn't coach you on your business problems. He coaches you as an individual. He coaches you through what's going at work, what's going at home, wh where is the pain and struggle in your life? And he helps you work through that. We didn't know that Matt didn't have boundaries, but he doesn't. And he doesn't care about yours. He just wants to, to find out what is the best possible way to help you. 
And that's an emotional thing because you might not even be ready to help yourself. Chapter two, bringing up family issues with Matt. I was really hesitant to bring up my whole family stuff for a couple of reasons. And the first one I was telling myself is that this isn't what coaching with Matt's for. Like this is a business thing. I'm not going to bring up these personal things. I, I don't want pity. And then the second kind of reason is that I thought I could deal with it all. I, I was being this, this anti-hero where I was wearing everyone's pain on my shoulders. And I was telling myself, this extreme trauma is nothing. <laughs> and then I kind of, I agreed. I was like, maybe I should bring this up. Maybe, maybe it is worth talking about. I was terrified because I'd never spoken to anyone about it. I'd barely spoken to Ben about it. And he's been there from day one, from moment zero all the way through and he's seen the pain and it wasn't until Matt that I that I faced it for myself can you please share this with us verbally what's going on here awesome I just want to give this a caveat I don't bring this up because I want any kind of pity uh, or sorrow that part gone don't need that disclaimer no one thinks that you're looking for pity okay great (laughs) Four years ago, uh, mom tried to commit suicide. It was completely out of the blue. This has happened 10 or 15 times since then. It's become kind of a normalized process in my life on how to deal with that, about how to go through the hospital system, how to get to a place of healing, and how to get to a place of somewhat normality. This is a very energy-intensive process to go through. There definitely is an emotional toll that comes along with this, obviously. This happened about a week ago now. Again, this ended up her in the hospital, probably one of the were situations where she was there against her will. She had a security guard guarding her. Going through this whole situation though and this process every time is a responsibility that falls 90% to me. The reason that this is an issue is that Vargo is also in a position where we have a big opportunity and that we are facing one of the biggest challenges that we've had, which is raising around that, that I really care about. And I want to do my absolute best in both worlds to deal with these situations. And I only have a, I guess, one 100% of my energy. Uh, the issue is that I probably end up over committing and over delivering in my family life because I don't trust anyone in my family to deal with the situation accordingly. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like the impact of that not being done well is just too high for me to let mm-hmm. go of that because I don't mm-hmm. trust it. Fantastic. But now proposed solution. Oh, I guess how I contributed to this is that because I, I've never shared this with my family, so I've set yeah. bad expectations. Also, my default nature is that I want to experience all of the bad stuff so that no one else has to. I think I do that both work and at home. I've also probably never faced the reality of the severity of the situation. I kind of just swap on the road like, oh, it's okay. Everyone has this kind of stuff. And so I, I normally refuse to change my deliverables at work anyway, and I just kind of grip my teeth and get all that done. My pro solution is that I share my concerns with my family and then create a routine to better share and deal with this Mm -hmm. um, where everyone faces the responsibility of of their part in this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also I probably need to share my situation more openly at work and more so just so that I can then give myself permission to change deliverables if needed and rely on other people if needed. Perfect. Beautiful. I really like how you unwound your proposed solution. I think there's just a little bit more of what you did to create. And I think you alluded to this, is that you want to experience the bad situation so no one else does. It's it's called playing the hero. You want to Mm -hmm. make sure that no one else suffers the consequences of their own actions. And at a certain point, the more you do it, the less accountable they become. I like everything you're doing here, but that's one more step that that I makes sense to me to add. 
which is to recognize that this is not my action and that everyone needs to be responsible for their own actions. By you taking too much responsibility, it allows your mom to not take enough. It allows your family mm -hmm. to not take enough. So this it's counterintuitive. Maybe the next one, I just let my family take care of it. And I let them mm -hmm. know ahead of time, but the next one, I'm not gonna do it. I felt extreme guilt. I felt like I was letting down my family. I felt ashamed that I could no longer own it by myself. It did not feel good. But then as soon as Matt spoke and Ben spoke and talked through it, like I realized that this is what I had to do to, to actually solve the problems, to work my way through it, I had to face what was happening. Your fear is not 100% wrong here. There mm. will be blame. Absolutely, there will be blame. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. You can't control how they react. If they choose to blame you, that's their issue, not yours. The reaction that I was expecting was worlds apart from what I got. I thought, for one, Matt would say, why are you bringing this to me? I'm a business coach. This isn't what I'm here for. Or I thought he would jump to either saying like, oh, poor you. And that was the worst. I didn't want to be pitied. And what I got was just extreme support. The audio equivalent of just a massive hug. What it makes me think of is that scene in Goodwill Hunting where Robin Williams just says, it's not your fault. And that's really just what it felt like. It felt like Matt was telling me like, it's okay. This actually isn't your fault. And it wasn't until I saw that, that I realized that these problems happening weren't my problems. That I didn't have to wear this pain of other people myself. I am Rihanna Dietrapani and I'm married to Joel, more commonly known as Joel's other wife, for obvious reasons, Ben being the other. The funny thing is that I always tease Joel about being a mama's boy and this was truly the biggest test he had to face. It was a complete shift in the roles from being the child to being the parent and he's never had to navigate those waters before and what that meant for him in his life and our life, it was really fucked up for a while. And I have no idea how Joel managed it. I always got irritated with Joel because we're polar opposites in the emotional department. I typically cry at the drop of a hat and I'm pretty sure Joel has no soul. So I actually think that saved him. What would have turned someone's life upside down and should have realistically, you know, to the outside world, it, it didn't even look like it made a dent in Joel's trajectory. And honestly, that's one of his most admirable traits. He is so laser focused and so pragmatic, nothing is going to deter him. Matt's like feedback process and really the way Matt tackles any issues or challenges with you. It trains you to separate the reality from 
your story that you're adding to that reality and from the emotions that you felt from that. And then that, that allows you then to see things clearly from a position of curiosity and, and growth and what Matt would call living above the line, which is a conscious leadership term. And conscious leadership is a really big part of um, Matt's teachings. For Joel and I, it certainly allowed us to just talk about our feelings way more honestly and way more frequently, which is just, it's allowing us to like still be friends and discuss things that we are on absolutely opposing sides of and then ultimately find the correct answer uh, at the end of it or the, the best path forward. Chapter three, the Matt Mashari coaching experience. What's it like getting coached by Matt Mashari? It is, at the start, a terrifying experience. It really started two days before the session when not only did the homework start, so did my sleepless nights where I was starting to freak out about how this session was gonna go. When it comes to the actual session, it kicks off typically with just a bit of friendly chat at the beginning. And it starts off firstly with good things. The good things is all about putting everybody in a resourceful state of mind. You know, what Matt would call going above the line. Then we move into next action. So this is where Matt's going to hold you accountable to everything that you said you were going to do last session and if you did it or not. Then we move into goals. So what are the goals that we've set with Matt for the company and for ourselves? And we check in on where those goals are. What are the next actions towards those goals? And then you have an hour or two hours of just really intense focus and your entire energy is put into that session. It means extreme vulnerability about facing your problems, about working through your problems together, taking advice, pushing back on that advice and moving forward. This is where you have the ability to flag any of the most burning issues that are on your mind, the hottest topics right now. Then we can go into the general topics. So these are themes that we return to every single week, or maybe there's a new topic for this uh, particular meeting. And then the final section is the gut puncher, the feedback session. So everybody on the call has to give feedback to each other. And that feedback, it gives permission to say the things that are unsaid or that might be awkward to say. But then when the session ends, there will be at least five phone calls after that session between Ben and I with a new realization, with a new epiphany we've had from a new take of of what happened in that session. Then we finally get to the night after the session and then we start to sleep well again. (laughs) Everything is well in the world and we finally feel relieved and, and ready to kind of put that into action again. Chapter four, analyzing our relationship and a showdown at the quarterly offsite. One of Matt's things is the offsite. There was this like weirdly organized session that I steamrolled and said like, no, we're gonna do it. And it was horrible. We just fought a bunch. Like we had the the classic argument, product first sales. Sales wants sales right now. And the tech side of the business just wants time and space to create and build the future of the company. So Vigo, we had that tension going on. Simultaneously, we needed to unlock a bunch of sales to survive, as well as if we didn't fix some huge burning fires on the tech side of the business, then the company would also die. So somehow we had to work out a way to do both those things. And our VP of partners who looks after the sales function and Joel, you know, they both surfaced some fear and anger about each other and what was going on. And then here I am, I just 
I dived straight into it. And like, we dealt with it like pretty poorly, to be honest. I just want to be told the product's going to be optimized for full scale. We've gone and looked at what our gaps on our full scale implementations at the moment. It's boom, boom, boom. And we're comfortable that if we roll out five more full scales in July next year, these aren't going, these issues we're currently experiencing are going to be resolved. Okay. Well then, unfortunately that fear is not going to be subsided because by July next year we won't. I, Joel, just to check your language there, like the way you kind of frame that says nothing will be done to mitigate anything. Whereas <laughs> I would challenge you to say that by working on modular, actually a bunch of the stuff is going to be automatically way better. <laughs> like, I feel like it's an ongoing issue. Like all the feelings have been brought to the surface and stuff like that. So I guess just like feedback, Ben, for you and Ash is actually, I kind of feel like I've been thrown under the bus. The way I had set that session up did not set up Joel for success and it kind of threw him under the bus and I didn't intend it to. But I remember giving that feedback to Joel in the, in the Matt Mashari session. Joel kind of gave like a response to it with like still a bit of emotion attached to it. It was kind of like a little bit of like, eh, I think you're wrong and I think it's your fault more than my fault on that one. And I think Ben and I have always been really good at giving feedback to everyone else and taking feedback from everyone else. But we'd, we'd left this sacred ground where our friendship was off limits and never developed the ability to give feedback to one another well. And working with Matt, he just pushed us through it and it was uncomfortable and it made us bring up emotions and it made us like disagree more than we had. And Matt just kept drilling in, drilling in, drilling in until like everything was out on the table and then we could just address it like with the, all the facts. So Joel, I wish that you'd be a, a little bit more consistent in thinking through your communication strategies. We've had a few circumstances recently where I don't think you've communicated what I think you wanted to communicate um, to people. I still would have preferred you not to expect me to be your filter for other people in the company. And I know you are extremely good at this uh, when you put your mind on it. And I know you do this every single day in other circumstances. I think sometimes I accept that. There's some scenarios where I, I definitely just jump the gun and will just jump straight to the most brutal version of whatever I want to say, where I could definitely improve. There are some situations though where I, I do think my approach is actually deliberate because I think a brutal communication style is what's required. I wasn't expecting you to be a filter for me. I was raising an issue to you, not for you to tell everyone what my issue was. And I think that was actually on your communication, which, which you've admitted fault here though, but I don't think that's a good example. I heard you get a little defensive there, Joel, and sort of go after Ben. You did this, it was your responsibility, you screwed it up. When you describe this, Joel, of understanding and saying, hey, I hear you, I don't accept this, here's why, here's what's going on in my world. Hopefully you can bring Ben into your world so much that Ben goes, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear a perspective that allows Ben to see how that occurred. I do think sometimes my, my language is deliberately intense. So I actually had, my communication was deliberate. I wasn't expecting you to filter that out to everyone else. It was pretty hard for me to go around and change my language in the moment. I had to kind of like lean into what I had, otherwise it looks like I'm hiding a secret from someone. So I just, I don't think that particular example is a good example. The feedback in general, I will take on board. Much better done, Joel. I agree, sometimes you need to be super brutal. I do that too, it's a sales tactic, you know, anchor them. And yeah, I mean, on that, on that offsite, I'm totally happy just to chalk it up as a misunderstanding 
that would have been solved with more clear communication um, from me. I've always believed that Ben and I had really strong trust in one another. And I felt like we were really able to, to speak open and direct and, and, and talk about problems. But it wasn't until we started getting coached with Matt that I could see how flawed that opinion was. But then by the end of it, our relationship was stronger. The way we worked together was better and we could share feedback whenever we want. And uh, I don't know if we ever would have got there without Matt pushing us to that point. Chapter five, family issues revisited. The conversations that I had to have with my family were hard. I had conversations with a lot of different people in my family, but the hardest one was with my mum because I've always just wanted to be there for her. I love my mum and she's always been there for me. And then for four or five years, she wasn't. And I had to be there for her. I had to be that strong person. And I had to go and talk to her and tell her that this is your problem, it's not mine. And I'm not gonna be there. And it was just so uncomfortable. And I remember just sitting across from her and she's just crying and asking me to explain and justify. And I couldn't really, because it doesn't really make sense to her that I was just gonna stop being there for her, which isn't what I'm doing. I'm just being there from a different, in a different way. But the, the conversation was hard and it just didn't get easier. It was just an hour of extreme awkwardness and amplified emotions. And I feel like that gave me more strength than I've built in my lifetime, really, that I was able to like evolve into, into the person I, I needed to be. So Matt, I've, uh, I've been so excited to tell you this one. It's probably like the most morbid excitement I've ever experienced, but it's the excitement nonetheless. So uh, just an update on my family situation. Yeah. About a fortnight ago, I, uh, I went on a really nice retreat with my wife. And on that retreat, I kept getting phone call after phone call. I knew something was up. So essentially, mum had been checked into a mental hospital again. And I really kind of feel bad saying this, but when I heard that, I felt like this odd sense of relief. I was like, this is not my problem anymore. I told my whole family, this is what needs to happen. And if you don't follow these rules, I will not be there to help. And I wasn't. I didn't go to hospital. I didn't spend hours helping people. I just continued on my life and I didn't feel any pressure to be involved. And Ben gave me a call and I was like, dude, I'm actually fine. Like I feel, I feel awesome right now because this is not my burden to bear anymore so yeah I just I'm really thankful Matt that that you pushed me to take those actions like I feels like I'm living a different life now and I just feel so happy and relieved and it's the first time that I really feel like I've been in control of my life which is oh man I feel emotional sharing this it's just something that I don't think I could have done without like everyone here and the pushes and the coaching that you guys have provided so thank you for sharing, yeah, for helping and listening and, and pushing me. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for for doing it. Thank you for setting a boundary and, and holding that boundary. And wow, amazing. This warms my heart. And <laughs> that's awesome, Joel, just awesome. When we encounter situations like this and we have no idea what to do, we feel helpless. But when we find a way to basically gain control, back of a situation like this, 
our brain suddenly goes, oh my gosh, what about all the other situations where I have felt helpless in the past? Maybe this same method will work there. And now all of a sudden we feel this like superpower feeling because maybe this means we can actually take control back of our entire lives. I'm 100% certain that everything Matt told Joel to do, I had already told him like a million times, but he listened to Matt. Fair enough, I'm not the world's best business coach, so whatever. Um, No, but seriously, it wasn't like Joel came in and said, okay, that's it. Like, I'm gonna walk away and my brothers and my dad and stuff, everyone else has to step up. Actually, maybe he did. Maybe it was that black and white. Um, but look, I was definitely relieved because I knew it would be this massive burden off his shoulders. And selfishly, I wanted that for him. It was definitely a massive challenge because he's the eldest and his younger brothers look up to him. And, you know, naturally the responsibility fell with him. But I think it was a blessing in disguise for everyone because Joel and boundaries with his family, which let me tell you, huge step for him. And his younger brother, Alex, stepped up massively. So when given the opportunity, people rise to the occasion. There is no work-life balance. It's actually all the same thing. When you're a startup founder, it's all your passion. Your personal life is your passion. Your work is your passion. It's all of that. It's all of your energy. As much as you think you might be able to compartmentalize both, If something's going wrong at home, you're bringing that to the work table and vice versa, whether you think you are or not. So Matt says, bring it all to me because all of it is relevant to whether you are going to be a successful founder or not. Going through session after session after session and going through these kind of like extreme activities of sharing our deeper shames with each other, it really did open us up to being much more open with one another. We already knew that Matt's teachings weren't bullshit, but we had no idea that some of the core values could be so effective in both our professional and personal lives. And it was looking like we were going to need all the wisdom we could get because we may have had a breakthrough on one issue, but there were plenty of others ready to take up its place. Man, like very likely gonna have to disappoint like one of my best friends. Do you think that now? Oh gosh. Are you in? Let's go. If you're enjoying this podcast, subscribe in your app of choice so you don't miss out. There's a new episode every two weeks. The Unicorn Launcher is a Lower Street production.